Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Stand with me all over the building, if you will, and and I, and I, will, I really wish I had the time to lay the foundation for where this is coming from. Um, uh, actually, the Lord spoke to me. He reminded me this morning, actually, that he spoke to me about four weeks ago or five weeks ago in prayer uh, and said, I want to put my name in that place. I want to put my name in that place. Well, I remembered the Old Testament principle when when uh, Solomon dedicated the temple and he said, God, we're building this for you. And they went into prayer for you that read your Bible. You remember this story. And he said, God, I realize you're too big to dwell in this house. The, the heavens can't contain you. But the Lord said, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my name in that house, meaning everything that I am, I'm going to put in that house. All my power, my glory, my righteousness, my holiness, my healing virtue, everything I represent, I'm going to put in that house. That was four weeks ago or five weeks ago. The very next week, he started dealing with me on the, the y'all remember the message on the instincts of greatness, that there's a voice in you calling you to a higher place, that we were going to go from glory to glory, but in order to go to that level, we would have to leave this level. Amen. Uh, and then we went into uh, dealing with Hebrews chapter number 12, which is where I'm going back today. And I just need you to be up to date with me. That God started dealing with holiness. And that if you want mine, in other words, I understood that he spoke to me. He was going to put his name in this place. But I understood it was going to be contingent upon this name being prepared for its place. Are you following me? He said, because that's my endorsement and I will not endorse anything that doesn't look like me and act like me, sound like me. So that's where these messages came from, an overwhelming desire to see God. His power, His glory, everything that He is, is where these messages come from. And, and, and I remember preaching Instincts of Grace. The only problem with going somewhere, and we always want to go there. We, we want to go there. I want to lose weight. I want to be healthier. I want to be prettier. I want... And we're always wanting to go there, but the problem with going there is leaving there. That to every level of glory, you have to stand by the graveside of your own self and say goodbye to me. Are you following me? And so that's where these messages are come from. And I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. I'm not about to preach to 100% in this building today, but I am about to preach to some people who are hungry to go the next level. I'm about to preach to some, some people that are hungry to see God. And in all my ministry, I don't know that if I haven't brought more conviction in my life in the last four weeks than ever in my life. But God is always saying, how bad do you want to see me? How bad do you want to see me? Now, are you ready for the word this morning? All right, go with me first to the book of Exodus, chapter number 3. Verse number 1, Exodus 3, 1, the Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God unto Horeb. And I'm going to stop right there before I get any deeper into this and encourage you that if you are not registered to vote, you need to register. We are standing on the threshold of a very important election, maybe more important than any election we've ever had in the past. We're standing on the threshold, and the church needs to be a voice. So you have to register if you're not within the next few weeks for you to be able to vote in this election. And I'm going to tell you something. I can't tell you who to vote for, who not to vote for, but when you vote, all I'm asking you to vote is your Christian convictions. That's all you got to worry about. You ain't got to worry about his male, female, black, white, Hispanic. You ain't got to worry about any of that. You vote your 
Christian convictions. And if that candidate looks like he or she will apply those convictions, that's the one you want to vote for. But I will tell you this, amen, that I've been on the road for over 30 hours for the last week, 35 hours of driving, and the whole time I've been trying to keep up with what's going on. And Miss Hillary Clinton said these words, what we have to do is get rid of this religious biasness. That is scary. What we have to do is get rid of that and, and force down their throat. I ain't even going there. Let's get back to the word. Register. You better get out there and get your Bible out and find out what they stand for, and you better vote for the right person, all right? Where was I at? Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the, burn, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight and why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Don't come any closer. But put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Turn with me now to the book of Leviticus, chapter number 10. Leviticus, chapter number 10. While you're going there, would you just please be seated? Keep your Bibles open because I, I need to show you something before I read these scriptures. Now, I'm going to read you some most disturbing scriptures in the book of Leviticus. But before I do, I need you to see something. Are you with me this morning? I just need you to go with me this morning. God is establishing worship in the Old Testament. And uh, one man once said, if you took the book of Le Leviticus and, 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 and uh, translated every form and ritual into its spiritual form, you would have its own Bible. Leviticus is powerful, a book we don't even like to read. But God is establishing a form of worship that is acceptable to Him. All right? And I ain't got time. You're just going to have to trust me. But if you, if, you, if you look back all the way over in verse number 8, God is preparing Moses and Aaron to prepare the generation after him for worship. He said, okay, some things have got to be done. Number one, and I just checked them, and I'm going to run through them. It starts over in number eight. He said, first, get holy garments. Get the holy garments. Bring Aaron and, and, and uh, Nadab and Abihu, which was the sons of Aaron, which were priests. And he said, bring the holy garments and wash them. Not the garments. Wash the people. Wash Aaron and wash Nadab and Abihu. Get them real clean before they go into worship. All right? He said, then put a robe on them. Then put an ephod on them. Then put a breastplate on them. Then put a mitre on their head. Then put a holy crown on their head. Then get the anointing oil and pour on. They're getting ready to worship. Get the holy oil. Pour, and, and every one of it has a spiritual significance that I don't have time to deal with this morning. He said, pour the oil on them. He said, then get blood and sprinkle seven times everything that they're going to use to worship with. Everything has to be sprinkled with blood. Not only sprinkle the stuff with blood, he said in the same chapter, he said, take them, the priest, put blood on their right thumb, put blood on their right ear, put blood on their right big toe. It represented a cleansing of everything they heard, everything they did, and everywhere they went. So don't let them come into my presence till everything's been sanctified. Are you with me? He said, do that. And boy, I mean, those whole chapters, he's just going through that. Put the blood on them. And he says the most powerful thing. As a result, when you do what the Lord has commanded you, he said in 9 and 6, he said, the glory of the Lord is going to appear. And so he said, if you get it right and you get the order right, the glory is coming into that house. So they went through all 
this trouble to get everything in order according to God's perfect will. And right before we go into verse number 10, uh, I mean, chapter number 10, the last verses of verse uh, chapter number 9 says, And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people, and fire came out before the Lord, consumed the altar, and the people saw it and shouted and fell on their faces. The glory of the Lord was revealed because they got the house in order. Now, let's look at my text in chapter number 10 and verse number 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them their censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said unto Aaron, there stands Aaron. He's got two dead sons laying in the presence of the Lord. He looks at Moses, and Moses looked at him and said, in verse number seven, uh, three, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will be sanctified in them that comes near me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Look at verse number nine. Do not drink wine, nor strong drinks, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that you distinguish between what is holy and what is unholy, and between what is clean and what is unclean. This is week number three that we're dealing with. I want to title this sermon this morning, Two Pillars. Two Pillars. Somebody say that with me. Two Pillars. Two Pillars. We've been dealing with Hebrews chapter number 12. Now let's go there before we dive into this summer sermon. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We've dealt with that scripture extensively. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And the, the, the scripture clearly states that the prerequisites of seeing God, and what that means is the, prere, the prerequisites of experiencing the supernatural person and divine ability of God is horizontal and vertical unity. Amen. He said, if you want to see me, you got to get right with your brother. Amen. You can't see me. That's why the Bible says if you come to the altar and there you remember that your brother has aught to you, he said, we ain't got nothing to talk about. You can't see me. You can't hear from me. I need you to leave the altar. Go get it right and come back and then we can talk. So he said, if, if, if you want to see God, if you want to experience the supernatural power and the divine intervention and the person of God, he said, there's two things that has to be done. Are you following me? Amen. Because the presence and the power of God always rides in on the back of unity and purity. I'm going to say that again. The presence of God. He said, I want to put my name in that place, but there is two things that it's going to ride in on. And that is unity and holiness. Unity and holiness. All wrapped up in one scripture. These, these two pillars, unity and holiness, are the sum total of the two covenants. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Everywhere from the Genesis to the Revelations, uh, amen, uh, uh, stands upon these two pillars, unity and holiness. 
Oh, my God. Are y'all with me this morning? Two things. Two things. All, everything from Genesis to Revelation stands upon unity with my brother, holiness, or right relationship with God. Matter of fact, Jesus preached this same message in Matthew chapter number 22 when the lawyer asked him, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. Notice he didn't say greatest commandment. This is the first and great commandment because he was not through. He went on to say, and the second is like it, meaning it is equal to it. That the first one cannot be considered greater than the second one because they were equal in quality and degree. So the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is like it, that, uh, that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said in the next verse, on these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. In other words, they are two pillars upon which all the whole kingdom rests. And that number one is our relationship with our brother. Number two is our relationship with God. So, having said that, are y'all still with me this morning? Is it any wonder that these two pillars would be the prime target of our enemy? Amen? If unity and holiness is what holds up the entire kingdom of God, grants me access into the presence of God, allows me to experience God, if these are the two foundational pillars, is it any wonder that the enemy would be attacking both of these pillars? It kind of reminds me of Samson. Y'all remember Samson? He got out of the will of God. Amen. Found himself in trouble. Found himself blinded. They put his eyes out. He could not see see the enemy was making sport of him but remember he told that little boy that was leading him around because they were making sport out of him and the Colosseum was full of people and they were mocking the man who used to destroy them can I tell you this is a picture of the church who used to walk in the strength and the power and the anointing of God but we've been blinded by the God of this world amen and we have become the slave to a slave master that's trying to bring the church a under bondage to tell you when you can worship, where you can worship, and how you can worship. Boy, you sure are quiet this morning. Amen. But, but it reminds me that, that Samson said, take me to the pillars that hold this house up. And the little boy took him to two pillars that held up the entire house. And the Bible says he put his hands on both these pillars and began to push with all of his might. And as a result, everything those pillars were holding up came crashing down and destroyed three thousand in one day. Satan knows if I can get to these pillars, if I can destroy these pillars, this whole kingdom is coming down. Look at the nation right now. We're divided on every front. It used to be Republican against Democrat and Democrat against the Republican. Now it used to be a partisan thing. We used to be divided by party. Well, now, amen, the Republican is fighting the Republican. And the Democrat is fighting the Democrat. And we're like a bunch of kids sitting in the house watching mom and daddy fight each other thinking this ain't good. I'm just going to be real this morning. Amen. My God, we're a bunch of kids sitting in the house called the United States of America. And we're, we're, we're watching our leaders act like fools. And they're fighting one another, and, and, and they can't get along. And then, so we're divided from the top down. Am I right about it this morning? Never has our country been more divided than it is right now. Amen. Racism is running rampant again in our country. Amen. It ain't never been healed, but now we've taken it to the next level. Amen. Black man fighting the white man, and the white man's fighting the black man. And if that's not enough, now we've built walls of division against uh, 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 the general public, against police officers. 
Amen. It don't matter who's right or wrong. That's irrelevant. It don't matter if they deserve it or not. That's irrelevant. The point is, Satan has attacked anything that looks like unity, and he's dividing us because he knows if I can just get to that pillar and I can push that thing down, this thing is coming down. It's coming crashing down. And as a result, our nation is coming crashing down because of the division. Why? Because the Bible says a house divided cannot stand. A kingdom divided in and against itself, it will not stand. And not only has he attacked the pillar of peace with all men, but now he's also attacked the pillar of holiness. Oh, I'm going to reach everybody, but I'm going to preach somebody in this place this morning. Now he has attacked the pillar of holiness. Compromise in American pulpit has blurred the lines of holiness to where we don't know how to distinguish between what's right and wrong anymore. We don't know how to distinguish between what's clean and unclean, what's acceptable and unacceptable. Amen? Confusion has drifted into the body of Christ because there's been no clarity coming out of the pulpit. I wish somebody help me get through this today. Maybe it'll get better next week. Amen? Because the preacher don't know what's right and what's wrong. The preacher don't know what's holy and unholy. And, uh, and America's in the condition she's in, not because of the condition of the White House, but because of the condition of the church house. Because the White House was not the White House was not designed. Amen. Because you can't legislate morality. Only God can create morality. But may I go ahead and say you can't legislate morality, but you sure can't legislate immorality, which is what our government is doing right now. Amen. So it never was the design of the White House to bring healing to a nation. So it don't matter who you put in there. Amen. Don't depend upon him to bring healing. Healing starts. I mean, a nation gets right when the church gets right. So all Satan had to do was slither into the pulpits of America and bring compromise. The once crystal clear living waters of holiness have been muddied up with dirty feet. Help me this morning, Holy Ghost. I said the once crystal clear living waters of holiness that brought healing and conviction and restoration and renewal has been muddied up with dirty feeted preachers who wouldn't take their shoes off to come into the presence of God. It seems we come to an era where Christian leaders, pastors, amen, and I'm going to leave all the responsibility I can in leadership, amen. We've come to the place where Christian leaders, pastors, preachers, teachers, singers, musicians think nothing of walking in the same muck and mire that the world walks in and then just trampling it right into the presence of God. We don't think nothing about it, and as a result, what used to be crystal clear and cool and refreshing has become muddy. So we got to come up with devices uh, and, 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 and lights and fog machines uh, and superheroes and athletes uh, to talk somebody into drinking our muddy water. Oh, my God, help me this morning. This ain't going to be popular, but I'm preaching to somebody who wants to go to the next level. Ask your neighbor, how bad do you want to see God? This is exactly what Nadab and Abihu did. They evidently viewed their predecessors as too extreme. Man, life church is never this quiet on Sunday. <laughs> evidently, Nadab and Abihu, something happened between one generation and another generation. Amen. All of a sudden, they, 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 they must have viewed that, that, that Moses is too old school. And, and Dad, he's, he's okay, but man, he, he needs to get a grip. Amen. Uh, and so they evidently in, uh, viewed their predecessors as too extreme, old school, too religious, that a lot of their attention and detail was unnecessary. I don't need all that. Help me, Holy Ghost. I thought it like to blew me away 
Uh, I don't know if I was in a hotel room. I guess it was. I've been in a lot of them here this last week trying to pull myself together to preach this sermon to you. Was it in a hotel that I called my wife and said, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. Do you know what Nadab means? Nadab means liberal. You can't make this stuff up. You can look it up. You got the same access to Greek and Hebrew as I am. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit, and of course, I'm a word search man. I like to know what God's trying to show me. It means liberal. Liberal, by definition, I looked it up, means to open to new behavior and opinions and willing to discard traditional values. That's the definition of liberal. Now, I, don't want you to, I want you to forget about politics right now. That's not where I'm at. I'm just back to the church. And Abihu, I said, oh, my God, if that means liberal, if, if, if Abinadab means liberal, what does Abihu mean? And I looked it up, uh, Nadab and Abihu, did I say that right? It means worshiper of God. And immediately the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that Nadab and Abihu represent a generation of liberal worshipers. A generation of worshipers who considered traditions of sanctification and holiness as traditional rel religiosity and deemed it unnecessary and totally unacceptable. Can I say something right here? There are some traditions of man that need to be rejected. There are some traditions of man that must be avoided at all costs because it is nothing more than the traditions of men. And traditions of men has brought the contemporary church into bondage and kept her in the dark ages. She's not relevant. Oh, listen to me. Amen. She's not relevant. Amen. There's no power in that tradition. There's no scriptural reference to that tradition. And it is bondage. Are you with me this morning? And we built doctrine around the traditions of men and all we've created is different systems of bondage. And when you join that church, you got to jump through those hoops. Amen. Or you are not holy. So I declare before I go any further, there are some traditions of men that have nothing to do with Scripture. They're ignorant theology, if there is such a thing. It's the absence of true theology, if you will. And we've created a monster that is killing the, the world we live in. But let me go a little further this morning, church. There is also a great danger in rejecting a thing or labeling it as religious because of its antiquity. Everything that is old is not religious. Amen. Everything that didn't happen in 2016 is not religious. Matter of fact, he said in the book of Proverbs 22, remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. We got another generation that's coming up in our churches who don't need fatherly advice. Boy, this is going to get rough as we go. Amen. We don't need fatherly advice because all you forefathers ain't nothing but old school and you're hooked on traditions. And that's been the case in a lot of ways. But the Bible says you better be careful because there has been some spiritual fathers before you who set some boundaries based on the word of God. Help us here at Live Church. Amen. And there are some boundaries that you better cling to and you better hang on to. So, uh, Nadab and Abihu should have held on to some things established by their fathers. But their liberal mindset deemed it religious bondage. And they were all about starting a movement of freedom. And this movement of freedom is built upon a platform called, uh, what they call that grace? Uh, Hyper grace. Hyper grace. God's even using my son to speak into some arenas of people who he has gained respect of a hyper grace. Amen. And this hyper grace says, amen, that, that it don't matter what you do. God overlooks you. And no matter how unrighteous you are, God only sees the righteousness of Christ that he has placed upon your life. Therefore, you can live just like the world and be in the presence of God. 
May I submit to you that this generation here, amen, not everybody, but I'm an avid study of revival. I notice my sons and spiritual sons are studying revival, amen. And it's amazing to me to find revival, amen, on the level me and you want. We're having to go back to some fathers. Wow. Whom we deem too religious, not necessary, ain't got to do what they did. And they filled up stadiums and tents all over this nation. And a nation was turned on its heel because of the power and the glory of God. Amen. And we're standing, we're in a generation who's so liberal that we want the power, but we don't want the piety. We want the glory, but we don't want the holiness. We want a movement, and, 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 it's, and it's charismatic by nature. We want the jinglings of the gifts, but we don't want the character to place these gifts on. So we're wondering, amen. I told my wife, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but if there's one thing I can now answer every young man that comes to me and asks me, where's the power? Where's the glory? I can take you to Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14. It said, it's right there. And when we find that place of holiness again and right relationship with the black man and the white man and the red man and every man with the Baptist man, Pentecostal man, the non-denominational man, God said, I'll endorse it. I'll put my name back in that place. Amen. My God, I know there was some extremists, but I got a lot of people in here that study Smith Wigglesworth. You study Smith Wigglesworth and you love, and the reason you study him because you possess an anointing to operate like he. He raised the dead. His wife died three times and he raised her up three times. Finally, the third time she said, Smith, let me go. That's how powerful this man was. Amen. But if you study his life, someone would try to walk in his house with a newspaper, and he'd say, you'd have to leave that outside. Oh, that's too extreme. Oh, yeah? How bad do you want to see God? Maybe it is extreme, but why don't whimper and whine and suck your thumb in 2016 and wonder why that 19th century power is not manifested in the 21st century church? It's because they understood holiness. Is anybody in this building this morning? But now we're offended. We're offended when someone's calling us up. I tell you, I hear the voice in me. I hear an instinct in me saying there is another level. There is a power that waits you, but it's standing. <laughs> he said, but don't come in here with them shoes on. God said, I'll put my name in that place. You don't know how long I have sought for this. And now he's given me a word. Amen. And I'm finding it and bringing conviction in every man. He said, y'all ain't got no convictions anymore. He said, you'll march around in that filth all day long and walk in with them shoes. Amen. Uh, there's one thing I've noticed about my son-in-law, Jordan. Amen. He ain't much to look at, but he's a pretty good guy. <laughs> Amen. But when he comes in my house, he never comes in my house without taking his shoes off. My house is in disarray. I ain't even got carpet on the floor. Our house is a mess right now from remodeling. But he never comes in my house without taking his shoes off. You want to know why? It's a, it's a level of honor and respect that I can't track what I went through in here. And we have muddied, God help me this morning, we have muddied up the crystal clear waters of holiness with our filthy shoes walking in a filthy world and just tromping it right in the presence of God. God said, hold it, Moses. Don't you come in here like that. You better take your shoes off. You better take your shoes off. And you know what's awesome? Follow after peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God, know God, hear from God. What's amazing is God, Moses didn't know who that was. He saw a bishop bush on fire and he started coming and God said, hold it. Take your shoes off. And when Moses got his shoes off, God began to say, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of I Is anybody listening to me? When we take off, God help me this morning. When we get off our filthy shoes of this world and come into the presence of God barefooted, I started to tell this message, living barefoot. He said, then I'll tell you who I am. Yeah, you've seen the fire. Yeah, you've felt the presence, but you still don't know who I am. 
Amen. But when he got them shoes off, he began to speak to Nadab and Abihu. They decided, you know what? We don't need to take time. Ain't no sense putting on all them old holy garments. Them things are antiquated. I don't, I don't need that holy garment. I, I don't need to, to, I don't even know, I ain't washing my feet. I ain't got time for all that bathing. Let's just go in there and do worship. Let's just go in there and preach. Let's just tell them, I ain't got time for all that cleansing. I ain't got time for washing all the filth of the world off of me. Amen. Are, are y'all okay this morning? I ain't got time to do all that. He said, there ain't no need putting blood on my ear. I mean, God don't care what I listen to. They don't sense putting blood on my big toe. He don't care where I go. I can go right in there with the rest of them. I'm carrying Jesus with me. <laughs> Is anybody praying for your pastor? <laughs> he said, I don't need to put blood on my hands. It don't hurt me to handle all that stuff and watch all that stuff and do all that stuff. Amen. It's a disregard for the holiness of God. Amen. So they went up through all that trouble and the fire fell. But now we got a generation said, we don't need all that old stuff. We don't need that all. And then on top of that, they come to church drunk. On top of that, they came intoxicated. They came intoxicated. And I thought, oh my God, how many of us are so intoxicated with the cares of this life? that we bring all that into the presence of God and we're wondering where's revival why ain't God turning our parish upside down why ain't 3,000 souls being saved why ain't souls being added to the church because somebody praying for me I need it today amen why ain't souls being added to the church daily such as should be saved well the fire of God fell when they began to worship because they were drinking and they refused protocol. Don't need all that stuff. We can do that. We got this figured out. I know how to put a sermon together. I know how to beat a drum, play an instrument. They, they, they didn't distinguish between what was holy and what was unholy. And the fire fell all right, but it was a different kind of fire. It was a fire fail, and it was the judgment of God. Why? Because they offered up strange fire. Strange fire was uncommon fire. It was unholy fire. It was fire God didn't recognize. It was, it was worship that God didn't recognize. Why? Because it was founded upon the preference and the desires of uh, Nadab and Abihu. In other words, worship wasn't even about God. It was about them. In essence, they weren't worshiping God. They were worshiping them. Because it was all about what I want to do and how I want to do it. Amen. And as a result, they dropped dead. And before Aaron could begin to cry, Moses said, shut it up. Moses said, pick up your bottom lip. He said, this is what God meant when he said, those who come to me will regard me as holy. And I will be glorified in the eyes of all the people. Are you seeing the message now? Amen. He said, if I let two leaders get away with it, then I got a three million congregants that are watching the leaders. And if I endorse their unholiness, they're going to deem it okay to live like they're living. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. He said, so I'm going to make an example of the leadership so that all of these folks know you better get it right if you're going to come into my presence. I'm wondering, oh my God, has death settled over the American church and we don't know it? Or we're so busy with strange fire? Are we offering up so much strange fire? Amen. Patting one another upon the back, telling us how good we're doing. And wow, that was a great service. Amen. And we're missing the manifestation of the power and the glory of God. Oh, is anybody with me this morning? Moses said, he said, God said, I don't recognize that worship. That's, that's, that's not what I commanded you to do. I didn't require that of you. He said, you come up with that yourself. 
it wasn't birthed from me, and it ain't even about me. Matter of fact, I'm insulted with the attitude you come in here with. You know, used to, it's, it's not a big deal anymore, or at least not to this generation, but used to, it's like walking in the house with your cap on. Anybody remember them days? My, my wife's daddy was a drill sergeant. I mean, he had the flat top and everything. He was scary. Coach all of his life, amen. I, I, I wasn't raised that way. But son, when we walked in his house, you either take it off or he'll take it off. Because to him, it was a sign of honor. Huh? I ain't preaching about y'all's caps. I don't care what you do. Amen. I'm just telling you. Amen. It was a sign of honor in old school to remove your cap when you walked in the house. So it was an insult to him, especially if I sat down at his table with my cap on. Huh? Me and Patty be dating. She'd be elbowing me. <laughs> She'd be, get your cap off. Get your, remember that? Get your cap off. It's the same scenario of God saying, you have no more honor for me than that. Amen. To walk through the muck and mire that that world rub shoulders with them, partake in what they're partaking in, and then just march right in my presence. Amen. Moses said, Aaron, you can't even, you cannot even mourn the death of your sons because God said, he that comes before me better regard me as holy so that I can be glorified in the eyes of the people. The world don't know what God looks like anymore because church is confused. We're so busy trying to look like the world so we can win them. I got a question for you. How's that working out for you? Can I tell you? It ain't working. You know what a draw them is when you start looking like Jesus and you start acting like Jesus and you start manifesting the power of Jesus. Amen. It's, it's a lie. It's a trick from the enemy. God, Moses said, uh, did not God say, I'm going to be acknowledged as holy as those that come before me. Which leads me back to my text. Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see God. And then verse 15 said, looking diligently, lest you fail of the grace of God. Oh, my God. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying God has given us a grace to bring reconciliation to the world we live in. Are you following me? God has given us a grace, amen, to tear down these racial and denominational walls. God has given us a grace to reach out for our brothers and sisters. A grace means the power of God, the anointing of God, the ability of God, amen. We've blurred the lines of the grace message, amen. Grace literally means the person of God deposited in you. He said, I have given you a grace to bring unity between the black man and the white man. I've given you a grace to bring the Republican and the Democrat together. I've graced you. I've empowered you to bring the Baptist together, the Pentecost together. He said, I've also given you a grace to manifest the holiness. He said, be careful that you don't fail. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them we can't afford to fail. We can't afford to fail. Why? Because we got, we're right, the church, the church is right on the verge of another generation that does not know God. We're on the verge of a generation that does not know God. Oh, this morning I cried out to God, don't let me fail, God. Don't let me fail, God. He said, be careful that you don't fail. Let me tell you something, church, we God, are y'all with me this morning? We have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We can't fail in bringing unity or our nation's going to be destroyed. We can't fail producing holiness or nobody is going to see God. I can't afford it. I don't know what you're going to do. And I don't know how you're going to do it. But I know I've made up my mind. I can't afford to fail. This is one I can't afford to miss. Why? Because our parish depends upon it. My children depend upon it. This generation that's coming up depends upon it. And all the while, Satan has been pushing on these two pillars. Dividing us from one another 
pushing down the pillars and the walls of holiness and righteousness and right standing with God. And God said, if you fail with this great grace I've given you to look like me, to act like me, to speak for me, if you fail, he said, the poison bitterness is going to come in. You see it all over our nation. Poison. Poison. Bitterness means poison. It's destroying. It's destroying the fabric of our nation. He said, bitterness is going to come in. And there's going to be no respect for me. There's going to be no respect for one another. And God said, nobody's going to respect me as holy or see me any different from any other God. I said, I can't afford to fail. Church, we can't afford to fail. Let us pursue. Let us pursue. Let us chase after holiness instead of trying to see how much we can get away with. Why don't we see how close we can get to God? Now I understand. I, I, I understand why Jesus told Peter. He was about to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, you ain't washing my feet. Now I understand Jesus wasn't just talking about a little dust on between his toes. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you ain't got no part with me. You're totally excluded. Peter said, oh, Lord, don't wash just my feet. Wash my hands, my head. Wash every bit of me. And Jesus said, all of you don't need to be washed because you saved. You've been cleansed. All you need to keep clean is what you contracted from walking in the world you live in. Are you following me? He said, that's all you need to do. You don't need to watch everything. You're not lost. But you got to be careful walking in this world because you pick up stuff. <laughs> you pick up stuff. It's a custom now. Not just in, if you go into a Hindu temple, if you go into a Buddhist temple or any temple, they take their shoes off. You ever notice that? Every other god. Every other God, they never go into that temple with their shoes on. Because this custom was started way back there because when you're wearing sandals, it picks up stuff. And it was disrespectful to carry stuff that I picked up into the presence of such a holy God. So I don't believe the church needs to be resaved. I just think we need a foot washing. When's the last time y'all had a good old-fashioned foot washing? Huh? The old church used to do that all the time. Anybody ever been a part of church did foot washings? Every now and then that pool of pan out. <laughs> Go to washing people's feet. That's one I can do without. But maybe <laughs> y'all go ahead and shout. But maybe spiritually, we need to wash our feet. Because we've picked up a lot of stuff by walking in this old world we're walking in. And, and, and to me, that wasn't a crime because all them apostles had picked up some stuff. Because if you study, the history says that they had to bathe before they took the Passover. So they had bathed at some bathhouse, and they walked from that bathhouse to, the, to have the Lord's Supper. And on the way, they picked up some stuff. And that's why Jesus said, no, you don't need to bathe everything. You've done done that. He said, but you did contract some stuff <clears throat> as you were walking. And before you can partake of this table, I'm going to wash your feet or you can't have no part of me. Oh, God. Wash my feet. Benny, you remember? Beth? Helen, y'all remember? I preached a revival here 12, 13 years ago. And we, took, we used to have a big old, y'all remember that big old, we had an offering plate that big. You remember that, Sister Cleo? And the Holy Spirit led us, and I'm quitting. 
I filled that thing with water. And we put it right here. And we put tiles on the other side. And every one of us just took our shoes off. Y'all remember that? And we come and we stepped in that water. We stepped out the other side. Symbolizing. I'm washing the contaminants of this world off of me because I want to see God. Stand with me all over this place. I preached last week. My dirt may not be your dirt. And your dirt may not be my dirt. And we got to be careful not to judge one another. I'm not going back to that holiness message. I'm not going back to that condemnation that you got to do what I do and look like I look and act. I'm not, I'm not going back to that. That was the traditions of men. But I want you to know this this morning, Life Church. God is the same yesterday today and forever. Hebrews says there is no variableness or shadow of turning in him. He never changed. He's just as holy on this side of grace as he was on the other side. The only difference was in the Old Testament they didn't have a grace to be able to be an expression of the life of God. And on this side we do. And Hebrews said, oh, let's don't fail. Let's don't fail to produce the holiness of God. Because when you do, you're going to begin to see God on a level that you have never seen him before. You're going to see the manifestation of God. I'm telling you as your pastor this morning, I don't know where I'm going next week. If God's going to let me get off this and get back to running pews again. That's really the way I like to preach. But I know this, God spoke to me five weeks ago and said, I want to put my name in that place. And when I put my name there, they'll come from all over the world. It's proven. When I put my name on it, they will come. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue will come if I put my name there. And now I'm four weeks deep in seeking God on a level that's having me to hold up my faith into the light of God's Word, seeing, do you really measure up? Do you really measure up? You know what? I come to the conclusion I was on my way to heaven just like you. But it ain't enough for me. I didn't get saved to escape hell and go to heaven. We got saved to manifest heaven right here on this earth. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man is going to see me. Oh, we like Moses have seen the bush on fire and we've seen some, some, some expressions of something phenomenal. But it wasn't until Moses took them shoes off that God said, let me show you who I really am. My question to you in this altar call is how bad you want to see God? Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.